The following announcement has been paid for by WMB. What is old is new again. I am Hollywood Morgan, better known as Chris Morgan. But back in the day when WMP was a full-time or even part-time business, WMP had its own formulated latex. Now, what does that mean? None of our stuff was ever bought through Monster Makers or other latex-based companies that water their, their stuff down, dilute it, and give you a lesser product. No, WMP's latex came directly from a manufacturer. It has been specific formulated to do two things. Number one, give you a much better product. It's going to be soft, buttery, smell pleasant when you open the box, and it's going to be rigid enough that it's going to hold its shape with those thinner holes. That's right. So, WMP latex is back. So if you want your very own WMP latex that will be able to be used to mix paints or to cast your own masks in, send us a direct message on the Halloween Unleashed official page, not the group, but the page at Halloween Unleashed the podcast. So make sure you send us a message and we can get you instructions on how you can get your very own WMP latex. Welcome to the Halloween Unleashed podcast. And now here are your hosts for the week. Welcome everyone to Halloween Unleashed the podcast. My name is Aaron Bass. I am happy to be with you all again. And of course, the main man of this entire equation, the architect, is of course my good friend and brother, Chris Morgan. Chris, how are you doing this week? And thank you very much for the intro prop, sir. <laughs> well, uh, everything's going well. And, um, you know, you know, for the kind words that you threw out there, I'm going to have to slip you a five spot next time I, I see you because uh, that was too kind. Too kind. I've already got it in my hip pocket. Well, good, good. <laughs> um, no, things are good, man. Um, you know, we're recording this on on Sunday, July twelfth, uh, for the episode to air this this coming Friday, hopefully. Um, but I just want to throw out, man, the H eight episode that you couldn't be part of uh, due to due to things, other things going on during a holiday weekend. Um, we're up over 800 downloads in just two days. So for That's the phenomenal for the lack of questions we got, we got a lot of people listening to it. So that's that that's a great thing. Well, you know what? And that is of course attributed to you and you know, you cover all the finer details. You leave no stone unturned. You like to include as much information as well. Uh, you are very explanative in your answers. So I'm sure that has everything to do with it. Well, it just goes back to what I've said all along. I, I explain things better when we're talking. Don't ask me to type anything out because it ain't going to happen. So right. did you happen to listen to the H8 episode or have you been too busy with things that we've talked about privately? 
Yeah, I have actually been too busy, man. I've, you know, I've, I've got finals uh, that I've got to get done today, as a matter of fact, and I have had my time monopolized for the past two weeks between family matters and uh, outside class times. Uh, yeah, I have been, I have been way too busy. I haven't even had a chance to be able to sit back and enjoy a drink. Believe it or well, not, I've, I've been enjoying several for you. So just uh, understand, you know. You no, know, oh, thank what, you for that. Make sure you have an extra one for me because I'm behind. No problem. I plan on knocking my dick back in the dirt, so it's all good. Yeah, I'll be doing that later on tonight whenever I get this class stuff uh, finalized and out of the way. I will definitely be having a few celebratory it's over drinks. Awesome. Well, my drink of choice tonight is definitely going to be seven and sevens. Uh, those mm. those hit those hit me harder than anything else, and um, I don't know what it is. Even with the gluten free beer. Uh, which is Redbridge, by the way, delicious beer. We want to thank them for being one of our sponsors this season. And uh, also just want to say that, you know, no matter what beer it is, I love a good ice cold beer, especially when I'm barbecuing, especially during the summer, all that. But, um, you know, I end up wearing, no matter what beer it is, I end up wearing it for like three or four days. Um, and, Seven and sevens, they they kind of go right through me, and I'm and I'm kind of back to normal unless I have one too many, and then I'm down for a couple of days. But I don't I don't feel like I'm wearing the spare tire around my stomach for three days. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny how like 20 years ago we never had that issue? No, I I I remember 20 years ago uh, being over in Daytona Beach with a. Uh, with a party globe pumper, party ball is what we called it, <laughs> full of uh, Everclear and uh, Kool-Aid Ugh. and uh, five different uh, rums and vodkas and everything else. And you couldn't taste the liquor, but I can tell you what, you, you definitely felt it. Um, you know, we, you know, uh, people called it hunch punch. Um, I called it, sudden, mm-hmm. I called it sudden impacts because when it hit you suddenly, you felt the impact from it. Uh, your dick was definitely dragging along behind you. Yep. And when it suddenly impacted you later on and made you start praying to the porcelain God, it was, uh, definitely impactful as well. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you go to sleep next to Sh- Sh- Shania Twain, you wake up, you know, Mark Twain's laying next to you. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, nothing like that. Um, subject matter for today is JTK. JTK. Right? Yes, and to answer a question right off the bat, straight from the comment stream, the JTK of course stands for the James Tiberius Kirk. That's right. That's right. Um, I don't even remember how that name even came about um so i just want to say that right off the bat um it just kind of one day just kind of rolled off the tongue their early stages of production and uh, i was like oh well that's cool there's not a mask name that yet and let's let's just roll with it and it stuck well you know what i can't think of a more fitting name for it i really can't uh, in terms of uh, well, I mean, let's talk about who were, you know, who it was modeled after, you know, it was modeled after Kirk. And in my humble opinion, uh, the JTK couldn't be more of a fitting name for it because 
as it was alluded to by Mr. John Carpenter himself back in the day, you know, the original DP-75 didn't really look like Captain Kirk. Well, the JTK definitely looks more like Captain Kirk. I mean, even in the final pre-mold uh, sculpt picked, I mean, you can look at it and you can just, you know, imagine the, uh, imagine the original series Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, hair on the head and just, yeah, that's, that definitely looks more like a Kirk than the actual original Kirk did. See, it's funny you say that is like, uh, going back and finding pictures of that mask or that sculpt, um, even those, those final pictures before it was put into stone. Um, I look back at it and I say, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, at the time I thought, Oh, this is it, man. This is this is the definitive Kirk, and I never liked it as a Kirk, and and I always looked at it as it makes a better Myers than it than it does a Kirk. Um, when it's in Myers form, I have absolutely zero issues with it. But when I look at it as a Kirk, I'm just like, eh. There's so many better options out there, and that's coming from a guy who produced it. So for those out there that think all I do is put myself over and put my work over, I'm telling you right now that I'm not putting it over from that sense. You know, we were trying to hit the Kirk look, and I feel like from a Kirk perspective, we definitely missed the mark, and that's just my opinion. Well, when you say that, is that coming from, you know, comparing it to the original Kirk because I mean let's face it, the original Kirk while it doesn't necessarily resemble you know uh, the character that Mr. William Shatner played uh, you know it's kind of like you know the ingrained image in all of our uh, internal hard drives as to what we judge a, a Kirk based mask you know the look off of so I mean right. is that right. is that where that's coming from or is that just um well the the thing is is had we modeled it and uh, referenced an original Kirk, um, I would probably say it'd probably be closer in perspective to an original Don Post seventy five Kirk. Unfortunately, which we'll get into, I'm sure, is we modeled it after a replica of. A replica of the original Kirk. So, once again, I was still early in that time frame where, uh, you know, WMP at that point had been running a couple of years. Uh, you know, Night Stalker was shut down, which was the reason for it in the first place. It was just one of those things where I was looking more at what the hobby in general was buying or holding as the grail, I guess you could say, or a really, really nice replica. And in my head, I was like, well, if we can just make it look similar to another popular replica, we'll have what the people want versus making sure that the, that what you're sculpting or hiring someone to sculpt represents not a replica represents the original and that's where i where i look back from a producer where i say i failed that project because as a producer i should have never went off of a replica first of all i pissed a lot of people off and we'll definitely get into that 
But number two <laughs> is if you're trying to replicate an original Kirk, why are you replicate? Why are you trying to replicate a replica? It makes no sense. So from that perspective, we, we miss the mark, but from a, what does it look like when it's painted white and painted into our favorite boogeyman? Yeah, you get no you get no argument from me as far as the way it looks as a Myers. Period. But as a as a Kirk, it just does not come close in my in my in my humble opinion to touching what the original Don Post 75 was because again, it wasn't modeled after an original. It was modeled after a replica. Right. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me still because, of course, I've got my JTK H1 and H2. And, and you know what? As a Myers, you you got you got solid Myers pieces in your collection. Ah, oh, damn it! There I go. I'm putting myself over again. I got to be careful of that. <laughs> well, it's amazing to me that I mean that's what drew me to it uh, back in the day. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Was was my JTK H1, was that not the last one off of WMP production line? That was it. You got the final one. Oh, it's an order. But, yeah, it's amazing to me the look that those can pull off. I mean, to look at them, I mean, they look great already, but then when you get them uh, under, some, under some low lighting and, and, and in the picks, it's just like it's amazing some of the looks that they could pull off. They really are. They're two of my favorite pieces always will be, and they will always be right there on my shelf. Uh, but let's, you said that, let's, let's get back to what you said about, uh, it was replicated off of a replica. Mm -hmm. Was that, was that replica was, correct me if I'm wrong, was the UL, the original, the UL, original UL 75 you had, correct? Well, it, it, it was started from the UL 75, uh, because I used that as the base because, yeah, I had the life cast, okay? But the thing is, is what people do not know um, about this story is at the same time, I had started with another sculptor. I had started the Vintage 75 project. So I had two Kirk projects pretty much running side by side. And that wasn't the intention at first, which I'll explain in, in, in just a moment, but the vintage 75 started from the life cast and what I didn't want, I'm like, I don't want two life cast sculpts, uh, by two different artists. I want, if I'm doing a life cast sculpt with this artist over here, then this artist who's going to sculpt this is going to do it, um, based on something else. And so I had the UL 75 at that point I had had it for a year and a half, um, that I got from MMP and I had that master and I'm just going, well, I can't release it in its regular state because the details are too washed out because the UL 75, um, all it was, uh, the UL 75 was an enlarged Sean Clark small. So, um, and what, for those listening, don't know what a Sean Clark small is Sean Clark, uh, who ran SSN, who's done horrors, hollow grounds, you know, it's been around forever. Um, back in the mid to late nineties, he was selling, uh, re, uh, recasted Kirk blanks, 
um, out of the back of the Fangoria magazines, and this the things were about as big around as your fist. You've seen one up close and personal in my garage, so I mean, you know that I'm telling yep. you the truth. It's as big around as a normal man's fist, and um, what ended up happening with that is um, when Sean was no longer producing those, I guess. One of the masters ended up going to MMP. He enlarged it so that it could be a wearable Kirk. And the UL-75 was born off of that. Now, um, NAG ended up with a UL-75 master as well. And he retooled his, put some details back into it, and never said he did it, but that's what he did. Um, and and released his version of the UL 75. So you had two different UL 75s, much like you had two different nightmares going. It was, it, it can get confusing. But, um, when I started that project, I knew like, well, I had paid for this UL 75. And if we're going to have two different Kirks, I might as well go ahead, use this as the base, because again, it's the base of a real 75 Kirk. The, the, the bones are there. It needs, it just needs some help getting there the rest of the way. But, right. But people are probably listening to this and saying, well, why did you hire two different sculpts to be done of the exact same character, the exact same time? Well, what people don't know, and if they've heard this episode before, then they will know at the time that the uh, that the U or the JTK project and the V seventy five V seventy five project started, I was being told that I had to stop producing the Nightmare or the Night Stalker, and furthermore, I had to stop producing the Legendary seventy five that just came out three months prior. Yeah, that you had put a lot of time, effort, and energy into. Yeah, and it was right there, about to be released into production. It just started, yeah, and just then started. It, gets, it gets kiboshed. Gets kiboshed, yep. And so what I said was, is like, well, I've already got this V75 project going. I'm losing two of my assembly line masks. I've got to replace them with two. You know, so I'm like, I don't know how this V75, or I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, this V75 project is going to turn out. So let me have a backup just in case this turns out disastrous, which in looking in hindsight, it actually worked out because the V 75, as I covered on the V 75 episode, there were four different sculptors. I mean, it started out with Kevin Murphy of Wolfram creative. After three weeks, he took a job working somewhere else. Uh, then the V 75 went to Michael Burnett, who does a lot of his famed work is with Halloween Horror Nights and he took the sculpt backwards. And then I had, had to hire Luke to fix it. And then Luke couldn't finish it. Then it had to be finished by Amy. So the V 75 went through four different incarnations and a lot of money later. And had I waited for that project to get done and hoping that it was going to come out correctly, I probably would have been out of business. So the, so the JTK was the correct move to make, even if at the time you're going, I'm having two, I'm, I'm going to have to produce two different Kirk sculpts and make sure that they're different enough to the public that the public will want each of them. So the UL 75 was chosen to be the base for that. And I know some people that um, say, well, all this motherfucker does is retool. Okay, fine. 
But Can I stop you right there for one second? Hold that thought. Sure. Let's get one thing straight out there, people, okay? Every single Myers mask that's produced, if you're wanting it to be as close to the original as possible, okay, the source material is what? The Don Post 75, okay? Right. Don Post as a company is no longer in existence. No one has ever paid Don Post or any of his surviving family members or anything else. There's nobody there to hold any rights. There's never been any money paid to Don Post when he was still in existence or afterwards for the rights to the Don Post 75. Right. Okay? So guess what? If you want to look at it cynically, everybody's ripped off Don Post. But since he's not in existence anymore, those that actually do this for the love of doing it because they like what they do. They're artists, and it comes out in their work, like my brother Chris. Okay, uh, I look at it as, hey, not only are you feeding my, you know, my need as a fan and as a collector, but you're also trying to keep, you know, the original Don Post dream alive. You know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to keep that lineage alive, and I appreciate that. I well, always have. Here's here's the thing, and. You know, I, I've said this in other episodes, but I haven't said it with you present. Is I've said this many, many, many times. Is if I was an original artist, sculpting, producing, putting out original characters, then people could make arguments and make those snide comments of all that motherfucker does is retool it retold this shit you could make that argument all day and you'd be 100 percent correct but we are in the replica business if the idea is to replicate for the collectors the closest that you could possibly get and you've got a source material why wouldn't you so that i can maintain my artistic integrity for the people out there that are going to criticize me and not buy shit in the first place fuck off Exactly. You're in, the, you're in the replica business. Again, come talk to me when we get into the original character business. Then talk to me. Yeah, and you know, you were the only person doing mass making as a full time job back in the day. Yeah. And with what ended up happening with the Night Stalker having had, you know, the stop put to it. And the legendary having been kiboshed and not able to be produced anymore, that would be like if Dodge all of a sudden had to stop making the Charger and the Challenger. Or the 1500 in trucks. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you just lost your two, your, your two prime time performers. Okay, exactly. you've got to get a replacement for that or else you're going belly up. Exactly. And to, to be honest, corporate America and I do not get along. And... Um, I loved having the freedom to work for myself. I loved the fact of being home, uh, not having that wear and tear of the travel, not having those stresses, not having the political mumbo jumbo bullshit that goes on in corporate America because I just not said having I, the yeah the clicks in the office either. Right, I'm not a yes man, and if you talk to me for longer than five minutes, you will know I will tell you exactly like it is, and I'm not going to kiss anyone's rear end. For any reason whatsoever, I am my own man. And 
when you start pulling that political crap on me, I'm going to call you on it. And if it's in corporate America, it's never going to end well for me, for someone like me, because I don't put up with it. I'm not going to, but bottom line is I'm getting off in the weeds here and I have been criticized (laughs) for going on too long on, on certain things, but I want to really paint that picture is I had no desire whatsoever to go back to a nine to five job. It just, I had gotten the taste of working for myself for too long that I was like, this is going to work somehow, some way, somewhere. And if I've got to prostitute myself on the side of the road, I'm not going to back to, I'm not going back to work for the man. And that's just the way it is. So I found a way and I did it the right way. It's not like I went out and grabbed someone's existing piece and recasted it and tried to market it as my own. Yeah. I haven't done, I never done, I never did that. And I took a master that was already universally loved and held to the highest standards and has been recognized as the real deal. And I bought it from another company. You know, I bought a legit master copy. I mean, where's my foul there? So if I decided that I wanted to purchase that property, and I've said that I've used this analogy before too. If I buy a piece of property or better yet, buy a car or a house, and I decide once it's in my once it's in my possession, I don't like the stereo system that's in it. I don't like the speakers that are in it. I don't like um, the fact that it doesn't have the uh, certain tires on it or rims or a spoiler or whatever it is. Or I just want to add ground effects or I want to repaint it a different color. It's mine. I don't like those I, trees in my backyard, but I love that bush. Ex- <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> or if I decide after I buy this house that I decide that, like, I did it here. I converted my sunroom into my own personal office because I needed privacy. I needed a place where I could work undisturbed. But according to some purists out there, I, cr- I created the ultimate sin because I changed the integrity of the original building. Fuck that. It's my Or your property. housing authority. Yeah, it's my house now. <laughs> it's my house now. If I want to put a wall up or knock a wall down or take the second story out altogether and make it into a one story, I'm allowed to do that whether you like it or not because it's mine. Once I sign the papers and I give that those and I hand over money to acquire that said property, I, I am now free and clear to do with it whatever I want to do. Yeah, no, of course you are, man. And like I said, you were the first one to have done that, you know, uh, mass making as a whole. You were the first one to do it full time and you're the only one to do it full time and be a success doing it. And, you know, that's called having the entrepreneurial spirit. That's something that used to be encouraged in this country. That's, you know, how, you know, small business owners become small business owners. You know, they take a risk, they gamble on themselves and their own ingenuity and their own drive and motivation, and they don't give up and they do everything they can and they got to, you know, they do what they got to do to make it work. And you most certainly do so. And that's something, like I said, that used to be commended in this country. Well, it was commended for sure. Like when people wanted something from me, but when people got what they wanted from me, then it became this 
for whatever reason, this sin that I, all I did was buy other people's molds and I never sculpted my own stuff. And let me ask this question. Okay. For you and for all the people listening out there that just are just, and not you, I mean, I, I, I know you're not, but for people that are listening, that are hate listening to this right now, and that their heads are exploding from everything I just said, because I made logical fucking sense uh, that most people don't have anymore. Think about this. For the collectors out there that just hate listen and hate everything I do, let me let me put this even in simpler terms. If I sculpted a ground up and I was anywhere in the ballpark and it was an original sculpt and you had a chance to buy a replica that had a base um, base bones that was from an original Don Post 75 Kirk, which one are you purchasing? The one that's in the ballpark or the one that's on the money? Yep. And they'll do it through a third party, but they will still do it. Exactly. So, okay. Uh-huh. Back to that whole thing. And I and I'm not call, I'm not going to name any names in this because I I I I I will say it like it is, but at the same time, I know when to hold them and I know when to fold them. And right now, I'm going to hold them and just say there are certain artists out there and for anybody that knows who I'm talking about knows who I'm talking about. I know you do. That have done ground up original Kirk sculpts. And kudos to them. Exactly. Kudos. But at the end of the day, is that heralded as high as a replica of an original 75 Kirk? Yes or no? No, it depends on whether you're looking for something original and truly indie inspired. Or if you're looking for that, you know, favorite boogeyman look. But see what you just said there, you know, goes back to my point earlier. We're in the replica business. You're not paying me to get it close. You're paying me to make it identical. Yep. So if that's the case and everybody wants lineage and everybody wants the source material, why is an original sculpt? in a replica business going to score higher than buying a master that everyone accepts. And I tweak it to my liking. So you know what? That's where the JTK in my opinion really, really shine because it was something original, even though it was based, it ended up becoming something original and very, very, uh, yeah. Indie inspired. And I mean, it was something that was definitely its own thing, and Correct. it still is to this day. And that's why it's, uh, you know, that's why it has the mystique that it does. That's why it is its own thing. Well, I mean, just going on um, to to get back on track, because I mean that that could that can go on all day. Um, but when the project started, um, you know, I said let's just enhance the UL seventy five. But there was this other mask out there that was the the one that got away for so many Myers collectors out there. Okay, and it was was once produced by Nag, um, which was the Mint 75. And whenever I looked at pictures of Kirk's 
I would always find pictures of the mint 75. So I took all of those pictures, handed them over to Luke who, who did the project, which we'll talk more about him in a little while. I'm sure. And I said, make it as close to this as you possibly can. Now, for Luke's background, he he worked in theme park attractions for over 20 years. Uh, I'm not sure what he's up to nowadays. The last time I talked to him was about 2014. So I haven't talked to him in quite a long time. Um, but I know that uh, he's still in the Orlando area. That part I do know. But uh, he... He worked and sculpted uh, some of the dinosaurs in the Animal Kingdom uh, theme park and the most most notably in the uh, Jurassic era um, part of the park. He did a lot of the dinosaurs over there, all the Sweet. animatronic dinosaurs that are inside that uh, that dinosaur ride that they have at Animal Kingdom. He did all the dinosaurs in there. Um, Man definitely knows the stuff. He does. He did... Uh, Krusty the Clown at Universal Studios Florida that replaced um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future. Uh, I'm still angry about that. Um, yeah, I won't talk about that. He did the he did the Shark and Jaws on the Jaws ride. He did Confrontation. He was part of ET. Um, so he's had lots and lots and lots and lots of credits as a sculptor. So. I had no doubt that I had the guy that needed to take this project and do what he needed to do. First thing he did when he looked at the UL 75 uh, press is he said, now at he goes, I don't have one in, in my hands. He goes, but I can tell you right now, I can tell that this, 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 and this is different. This part's wider. This part's shaped different. You know, the spacing here is different. He goes, so in order for us to create this look, I'm going to have to basically what he was saying is I'm going to have to split this sculpt down the middle, spread it apart and kind of re-sculpt back in certain aspects to it. Are you okay with that? Or is that going to change the scope of the project too much? And at that point I was dead in the water anyway. So I said, do what you got to do. I trust you. Yeah, go for exactly. it. I'm giving you this project because I believe you're the man to be able to get it done. So do what you got to do. Exactly. So, um, and by the way, he wasn't cheap, but what ended up happening was, is as you can see the pictures of the first pass or early stages of the sculpt, it looked pretty cartoony, pretty bad. Um, it doesn't look like the JTK ended up looking and it, it was, it was hard to produce them. I'm like, no, that looks off. You know, that looks this, that looks that he goes, I know he goes, I'm just putting things in, in into place. I just wanted you to see this. But then he started asking a bunch of questions that the, that a 2D picture will never tell you. About that time, and I cannot remember the collector. Um, I cannot remember. I think I did one mask for him, and it was this, and that was it. But I said, um, I'm actually going to get a Mint 75N that I have been asked uh, to, to redo and convert. I said, before I do anything with it, because I know if you do what I think you're going to do with it, with this project, and you get it close, people are going to criticize and say that we recasted this customer copy. So can you consistently take this while it has 
the original hair and all this stuff on it. I'll mail it to you. Take pictures with them side by side, showing it along the way, what you've been doing, etc. But then you'll have a 3D representation of the end result that we're trying to get to. And he said, sure, no problem. Which we documented, you re- you remember that 14-page thread on WMP that documented that. The picture mm-hmm. of the Mint 75 was sitting right next to the sculpt with the hair on it the entire time. So... The yeah, mask, so the mask comes out, and I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I'm trying to keep this into one stream here because this kind of flows. The mask comes out, and the first person that screams recast is NAG, Nick. I want to I say this for anybody that's going to hear this, but one thing I, I, I want to make perfectly clear in listening to this episode if you took anything and everybody's offended by everything anymore. So if you think that I was taking shots at Nick for something that happened seven fucking years ago, get a fucking life. I am telling a story of the origins and the productions and everything else that went into making that mask for a podcast story fortunately or unfortunately his story is part of this story and it had to be told i'm unleashed on this podcast i say it like it is that's that goes with part of the name of the part of the podcast absolutely and in layman's terms quit trying to stir shit that isn't there exactly fucking drama queens because As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't talk to the guy by choice and it's not, and I'm not going to get into it. It's not a big deal. It's just something I made a decision on. I don't have anything against the guy. I hope he goes out and makes a bajillion dollars and he does good for him. This is his livelihood. It's not mine. It's fun for me. It's extra cash for me and I'm not mad at anybody anymore. I don't care when I talk about these things on this podcast. It's not like I'm itching to tell some of these stories so I can just run my dick lick rip somebody. Yeah. I'm telling stories, man. I'm having a good time with my friends. Yeah, Exactly. I have nothing but love and utmost respect for all of Nick's work. I mean, in terms of sculpting, whether it's, you know, original sculpts or it's reproductions, I mean, uh, I mean, just like the, like the latest, uh, the it sculpture that he's done from the, you know, the past two it movies. I mean, that just, that looks more, uh, that looks more realistic to me than anything I saw on the actual big screen for that movie. I mean, I've got nothing but, you know, love and utmost respect for his work, you know, not trying to, not trying to rip any, you know, uh, in terms of him being involved with the story. I mean, he's a part of the story. You told the story. Anybody out there that wants to try sh- to stir shit that isn't there, well. And people will. Yeah, well, they're fucking drama queens. So have fun with that, you little bitches. Because I, I guarantee, and it never fails, in the past, 
when his name has been mentioned on an episode I did, I would get a message from him that says, somebody said that you were trashing me on your podcast. Why would you do that to me? And I'm like, did you listen to the episode? Well, no, I didn't. I just, I just got told that you were trashing me. Go listen to it. I was telling a story. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take liberties with your name. I didn't attack you. I didn't call you names. I wasn't childish. I simply told the facts of a story that pertained to you that happened to intersect with my story. That's it. Exactly. You're a side piece to the, you're, you're a, you're a side trunk piece to the overall start to finish. Says that we casted his bent 75 to make the JTK. I lost my fucking shit. And I'm like, (laughs) what gives you that? He goes, well, this area looks like this. This area looks like this. And he did a bad job at, at recasting. And I said, first of all, he didn't recast it. This is what he did. That wasn't good enough for him. I said, so I'm going to show you every picture that we have from start to finish, even though it's documented in 14 pages on my website. I'm going to show you. Here it is, start to finish. He tried to say, well, how come there's not pictures of the UL-75 getting split down the middle and widened and all that? I said, because he didn't take the picture of it. I don't ask. I wasn't there. I don't. I didn't ask him to be a sculptor and a fucking photographer. That's why. Exactly. I said, but if you look at the early stage passings, if you can honestly say that that is your mask recasted, then you're an idiot. And of course that flared him up and he got pissed. We went back and forth on a Skype conversation for over four hours. Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, I remember the story to that. <laughs> yeah, but people listening yeah. to this may not have heard it, but they probably heard that the JTK was casted from the Mint. So I'm telling this story to just set the record straight. Absolutely. Back when I was doing Mass Talk Radio, I actually did an episode on this, what spawned the conver- the Skype conversation between Nick and I, where we talked for four hours and hammered things out. But in getting there, I said on that. On that show, I'll never forget it because Marcus was a guest on the show and he was working for me at the time and he was part of this entire project. So the way he looked at it was, he goes, I want to be on that show with you because if he's calling you a, a fucking liar, he said, then he's calling me a liar because I work for you. And I'm in this every single day. And he's like, the only person that knows what you've been doing in that shop is me. And you didn't do anything. And I said, I said directly on the show with him sitting right there, I said, you know what? I said, if, if I recasted this, I paid $4,000 for him to put plaster on his mask when I had an employee that could have casted it for me. Furthermore, how could I recast something that has the same exact hair and the same exact place, the same exact paint job, everything still intact. You can't do it. And if you can, I don't know about it because I've never done it before. So, so what you're telling me is, is is I paid $4,000 for a casting of your mask. That's what you're saying. Essentially. Well, Um, wouldn't a casting of his work actually involve like destroying that customer's mask? 
it could, which is once again, which I have, which I have said on different episodes, especially the H six framing episode where I said, I would never do that to a customer mask because if something bad happened to it, which you don't know what's going to happen. Something could happen in the fucking mail. Yeah. We all know that. Right. But if, if I deliberately did something, first of all, how do I explain it to that customer? how something bad happened to their mask. How do I explain that? If I say I casted your mask, well, guess what? Now I'm in real deep shit. Yeah. Uh, And whether you cast it or not, or whether something bad happened in the fucking mail delivery, who's not who, you know, nine times out of 10, who's not going to take to their social media platforms and start fucking going off. Exactly. So, that's why I just laugh, you know, that everybody has these stories. Oh, Chris did this. Really? On the surface, it sounds great. On the surface, that narrative sounds perfect for your little story. But when you really dig into the, into the logistics of it, it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. None. So... Moving forward on this, um, getting back on track, um, he and I spent four hours, uh, Nick and I, on Skype, where he wanted me to supply my bank records and and show the the image of the check and proof <laughs> that I paid this guy. And then you fucking once... cater to people more than I ever would, man. I'd have told him to fuck off and mind his own business for real. Yeah, and. You know what? I was I was told that by my wife that you know at this point you've been in this for three and a half hours. Tell him to go fuck himself. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't do that because sound the, advice. Yeah, I'm like, I can't do that because I don't want this to blow up even bigger on social media or at that time the forum that we shall not uh, mention um, on this podcast. I didn't want it to the blow up anymore. Shall than, not be named. Exactly. So this continued finally. When I, when he could not deny that I didn't do anything, then he started to say, well, how do you know that this sculptor that you hired didn't rip all the hair off, make a casting and show you a different sculpt than what you contracted him for? I said, well, first of all, again, on the surface, the narrative, that would sound fantastic. That would raise all sorts of questions. But I said, I had to deconstruct that sculpt. I had to take it apart. And the reason I know that it was the same one is because if you look at the picture of the UL 75 casting in that photograph that's posted to announce this episode, you see little shiny pieces in the cheek. Mm Mm-hmm. That was... um, aluminum foil back then what i did was is so i didn't have to use so much clay i would use aluminum foil as a filler to backfill um so it would take up more space so that i didn't have to use as much clay now i i know all the ins and outs on how to do it but back then i was still early did not know much about it i that 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 idea was floated to me by um by kevin murphy he said this is what we used to do and i was like all right sounds great makes sense so when you see that that aluminum foil, that's aluminum foil that actually came through the surface of the um, of the clay 
that was embedded in there. And I remember Luke saying he had to push that, continually push that back in to give him more room to sculpt above it. So when I, de- when I deconstructed that sculpt to, to use the clay again, all that aluminum foil was still in there. So I said that to Nick. I said, well, I, first of all, I know that that didn't happen. A, number one, the hair was never taken off of that mask. Never. Number two, when I deconstructed the sculpt, all the, all the aluminum foil I put in there in little balls were still in there. So your whole theory of somebody stole something from you, again, is shot down. And then it was at that point that he said, all right, I believe you. Let's start working together. How would you like to produce the classic 75? Which is how that all started. Now we were cool. We worked everything out. I I guess I proved it to him. Once again, um, you know, proving my innocence over nonsense. So then the JTK was out and about and being produced. So, but yeah, there was a period there where um, he and some of the public thought I recasted the Mint 75. Well, it is what it is, and (laughs) that is definitely not the case. And, I mean, that was able to be proven years ago in the WMP forums. And, I mean, I know you, and you've still got everything pertaining to that today. So, yep. you know, that, that got kiboshed just like previous shit. Yep. So on that story note, uh, thank you, Mr. Eric Hoffer, for having submitted your question. And I hope that answers your question regarding... Was the idea for the JTK more u- for, for a more unique indie feel, or was it meant to be a more of an accurate representation? And it was supposed to be an accurate representation. It just, in the midst of the process, um, I got enamored. And again, I was in a period of time where I was trying to get a mask out to save my company. And it ended up taking on a life of, well, screw trying to go for the original look. Everybody wants this mask over here. Here's all these pictures. Try to make it look like that. Yeah. And it ended up becoming its own unique uh, indie-based project. And, I mean, it's it's still to this day. I mean, it is a, it is a gem. And... You know, we've always discussed about how, you know, things might not turn out the way that you want them to, but if they're meant to turn out there, I mean, they're going to turn out the way they're meant to turn out. And in this case, you know, it definitely turned out uh, best case scenario, in my humble opinion. Agreed. Okay, now here's something that I've actually pondered myself we have a question from Mr. Daniel Parker. Thank you very much, sir, for your submittance of question here. He would like to know, was the JTK designed with a slight castle stretch in mind? No. Um, anybody that looks at the original... Okay, so there's there's two reasons it happened. Number one, again, I've already told the story of the UL 75 being an enlarged Sean Clark small. 
So the UL-75 naturally has a longer face um, by default. But back then, um, I made the mistake of when I made the silicone mold, and you've helped me make a silicone mold of the UL before, so you know that Mm -hmm. what I'm about to tell you is 100% true because you saw it with your own eyes when we did the UL-HD years later. Fun times. Exactly. So back then and up until a few years ago, I would only uh, use the silicone to cast the front half of the sculpt, and I would lay the master down on the back of its head. Well, what happens when you take a mask and lay it down on the back of its head? The mouth kind of gapes open, and it kind of stretches into a teardrop shape. Mm-hmm. Then you add the weight of the silicone on top of that. It's only going to enhance it. So that was my mistake. And again, you learn from your mistakes. I kept saying, why is all of my sculpts coming out looking teardrop shaped and looking this way? Well, that was the reason. Now they don't. So um, it was not designed that way. It just sort of happened through an accidental way it was casted or clay, clay poured. No, it definitely does not take away from the look. Nope. Not at all. All right. Well, we already know what JTK stands for. Uh, Oh, okay. Now, this is a good one. So, Mr. Michael Bitterman would like to know what causes you to shelve a mask and discontinue production. And then he's actually got a two-parter on this. He'd also like to know as a follow-up, have you ever considered resurrecting a particular sculpt for reproduction? Oh, yeah, those are those are good questions. Um, what leads into a discontinuation of a sculpt? Um, it's never just, fuck it, I'm done with it, shelve it. It's it's no, it nothing ever goes into it like that. Anybody that has ever known me and you can vouch for this is once I first produce something and do a pull or two off of it, I may be excited that the project is rolling, but the first thing I always say is I got to see a few of them first before I make mm-hmm. my decision on if I like it or not. And Back then, before I did my own um, sculpting, retooling, whatever you want to call it, whatever the proper terminology is, um, back then, if I wanted to start over or fix something, I would have to pay that sculptor to come back and spend even more money. Now I just take more of my time and fix what I don't like and remold it. So... um, Anyway, I'm kind of going off in the weeds again. Again, that's that's part of my character trait. It happens, but... No, and just so everybody knows, uh, something can look bang up in a sculpt form, but the actual telling tale will be when a pull is created off of that sculpt. That's when you will finally know, because something can look fine in a sculpt mold that you would not notice, 
until you actually get a pull from it. And then to somebody with those mad scientist eyes like you have, that's when it'll stand out, and that's when you'll really see something that you weren't able to see before. Yeah, I was just able to prove that to you recently. <laughs> yes, you were. And so. <laughs> in great detail. And I could not have been happier to have been proven wrong. Yeah. That's so. why I always defer to your eyes. So, and and this is another thing too with me is I never, I never, I back then I did. So I would, I would see something that maybe I thought was wrong, but I would ignore it and say, oh, well, that's just because I don't know the sculpt yet. I got to paint a few of them before I can be totally sure. But also back then, again, I was having to pay someone else to work on my stuff. So. I would end up convincing myself that I was 100% happy with it and get, and, and please don't hear me wrong. I'm still to this day, very proud of the JTK. Very proud of it. As you should be. I have said in multiple podcasts that JTK or Night Stalker, they ran one a or one B depending upon what, what time of the week it was or what day of the week it was, you know? So, um, on which was more popular. So people are like, well, I thought you hung up the night soccer. I did. I'm talking about as far as the most successful thing I produced. I, I, on one of the episodes, it was JTK and night stalker that were my top two. And then the question follow-up was, well, which one was a better producer? And it's like, to be honest with you, one a and one B because they were two of the most popular. So hanging it up or saying that I didn't like it or I was disappointed in it would be very inaccurate. You already you already heard I didn't like it as a Kirk, as an accurate representation of a Kirk. That I still feel very strongly about. Uh, but as a Myers, it's hard to dispute it. I still wish that I got to finish one in 2020. Because I think that my work in 2020 has no representation of the stuff I was putting out in, when it came out in 2012. I think I could definitely do a lot more justice to that sculpt, especially when I got to learn the nuances of it again. But you tend to almost convince yourself at times that things are fine. You know, things are good. And... I'll figure this out. Um, yeah, I know this little spot here bothers me, but I can work around that. And and I did that on multiple sculpts that other people have worked on for me. I did that for years, convincing myself that what I'm seeing is just me being anal about things. But right. the V75 came out. And... Many people, not all, but many people looked at the JTK as an afterthought. Myself included, by the way. Because now it was on to the new flavor of the month or the new flavor of the year at that point. It was new. It was in an it was in a movie we just did. So everybody was V seventy five, V seventy five, V seventy five, V seventy five. Can I change my JTK JTK order over to a V seventy five? Sure. This is the new flavor. I'm I'm more interested in working on these now. Yeah, sounds great. But yeah, then, it's like when the new girl next door moves in, or a child gets a new toy. You there know? you go. 
the old toy tends to go back up on the shelf. It doesn't mean that it's a bad toy. It just means that right now your focus is elsewhere. Exactly. And that's kind of that's what kind of happened with the JTK. But as we went along, and I partnered up with Nick on the classic, the JTK was even a further afterthought. Then I started doing rehauls on 75Ks and then getting access to um, Nightmare Pools, which I did one for you um, through Nick. And it was just like, what do I need the what do I need certain things for? But no, I can't get rid of it. Can't get rid of it. Then it got to the point where I sold it in 2014 originally to Martin Pena. And I put it up for sale. I contemplated it for six weeks. I didn't know if I wanted to do it or not, but Jacob was going to need to have surgery. And I needed to be able to, because I was going to be out of work for quite a while. I needed to be able to sustain and pay the bills while I wasn't bringing in any income. So I said, so I said, what do I need this for? I got my partnership with Nick. I've got the V 75. I haven't sold one of these things since I sold it to you. And that was only because, you know, you wanted a V 75 and a JTK. But before I sold you yours, it had been nine months since I sold one. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. Like, Oh man, I haven't broken one of these out in almost a year. Exactly. So it was at that point where I'm like, I, I need money. Um, I don't ever, I don't even have an active mold going on this thing anymore. I don't sell them anymore. Nobody's talking about them anymore. Nobody wants them anymore. Maybe, maybe it's reached its limit. Maybe I've sold enough of them. So I put it out there and I started asking around and, and also my own research on masters that I had bought over the years and what they cost. I'm like, okay, anywhere from a thousand to two thousand. Let me go right in the middle. I'll go fifteen hundred. And I sold it for fifteen hundred bucks. And I knew as soon as I boxed it up and shipped it out, I regretted it. <laughs> I did. Because Oh, I believe you, man. Because of, of, of how much shit I took to get that thing out. You know, and the and the story I just told, you know, with going round and round with Nick and, you know, what the JTK represented, it 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 re, it resurrected my company. So to to sell that off was hard, but I knew that I'm like, all right, I got all this other stuff going on. Um, at that time, I had a project in the works with Nick that we were going to do something. I'm like, I'm not going to need this thing anyway. You know, that was my thought process looking back on it because that project never happened. And that's no fault to his, by the way, what happened. I don't want to make it seem like he screwed me in any way because he didn't. Right after I sold the JTK is when my son and my wife got attacked by the community. 2014. And it was at that moment that I said, fuck this. Well, let's just make one thing real clear here real quick. 
Uh, when you say got attacked by the community, a community doesn't attack. Okay, a lynch mob does. A bunch of brainless fucking fucks do uh, do that kind of attacking. Right. So, no, a community is a tight knit band of people who you know uh, common interests and look out for each other. That's what a community is. So, right. No, they weren't attacked right. by any community. They were attacked by a bunch of worthless fucks. No argument for me there. Um, I stand corrected. Thank you. Um, but it was at that moment where, you know, I had just sold that. Um, I had the Genesis V2 about to come out. That was the other thing when I was contemplating. Man, I forgot all about that. That was the other reason I was contemplating selling the JTK because I, I knew Brian Owens had just finished the Genesis V1 and I was going to put that out. So I'm going, okay, well now I have the V75. I have the classic 75. I have endless access to 75 K's and nightmare unlimited blanks that I want. And now I'm going to have the Genesis. What do I need this for? Yeah, I need to be able to worry about paying bills, and there's an immediate big expense coming up. You know, uh, I don't want to think of this as expendable, but, you know, if it can do one last, uh, you know, uh, great, if it can accomplish one last uh, great task in this terms of a payout for, you know, for my son, then, you know, yeah. I mean, like you said, it was it was something that helped to keep the company going, basically resurrected it. And it had a really, really great run, and it did, uh, it accomplished for you what you needed it to accomplish. And then, you know, as one last go around, it was able to, you know, provide for, provide for my little buddy. So I mean, it did what it needed to do. Yep. Well, apparently, um, Martin was not happy with it after a while. Didn't really do much with it. Sold it to Tyler Adams, who still owns it. Um. And I'm not going to get into great detail, but I'm just going to say that he and I have talked about doing something together with it at some point down the road. Um, don't know what that is yet. We're still working out details. So, But there's a chance that it could come back in some capacity. Uh, but to finish up the question of what makes me shelve a sculpt, it's just anymore at this point, it's okay – Am I selling any? No. I don't have the space for this. That's that's the answer now. But back then it was I have the space. It's just do I do I need to keep something around that isn't producing anything new and do I need to take up a spot that could be held for one of my other masters that I have. I mean, it's just, there's a lot that goes into it. It was, it was a very tough decision though. Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm, I'm definitely sure that it was. I, you know, when I found out about it, that it had left your hands, you know, I was, I was kind of heartbroken about it too. I was like, Oh man, that's just like, you know, that kind of like signified an end of an era right there, you know, it but did. yeah. It did. Well, on that first half of the question being answered, and um, I would be I would be happy as a clam if you and Tyler could uh, 
could work together and bring about some, you know, some resurrection of the of the JTK in some form, you know, at some point down the road. I think that would be an awesome idea. I really do. Well, we're uh, like, like like I said, we're we're definitely talking about it. He's in no rush. I'm definitely in no rush. Um, I've got my hands full right now with another project, which you know about, um, that I'm not talking about currently. Um, I've got my hands full with people that are waiting patiently that understand that I don't do this full time or even part time. I do this as a hobby. Um, and I've got my hands full with my marketing business. I got my hands full being a dad. Um, I got the hands, I got my hands full period doing multiple things. Um, outside of all there's only this, so many hours in a day right and there's only so many projects i can do so i know at some point it will happen when the stars align but i quickly i, I don't want to say i shelve talks with it because it's going to make me sound more important than i am and i'm not but i just asked tyler if it'd be cool if we could circle back and discuss this at a more significant time that's that works out better for him and works out better for me because he said, I may not get around to shipping that thing for six months. Okay, great. Let's wait (laughs) because I may not even be ready to talk about it for six months. So why hammer out details now when we're going to have to circle back to it in six months anyway? So let's just talk again in six months. Well, I'm a firm believer in the old saying, the best things come to those who wait. And you know, there's a proper time and a place for all things. And yeah, I, I had no. I, I just think it would be an awesome idea. I really do. And I know that you wouldn't even be talking about it if you did not have some desire uh, to make it happen. And I especially know from you that it's very true. The best things come to for the you know for those who wait. So that's something that you know everyone uh, who knows of the JTK and who knows uh, it has any kind of clue or inclination about the mystique by having owned one or seen pictures of it. That's definitely something that would be worth waiting for down the road. For sure. For sure. What else we got? Well, the other half of Mr. Bitterman's question, I mean, I know we just talked about this in regards to the JTK, but you know, JTK, I mean, while that's something you would be involved in with Tyler, uh, that's actually something that's out of your possession. So let's cover the second part of Mr. Bitterman's question uh, regarding have you ever considered resurrection a, resurrecting a particular sculpt for reproduction. Let's cover that in terms of what you have in-house. Short answer would be yeah. I mean, there's always consideration for it. Um, as long as I'm in possession of it, you know, it's always an option. So... Like, here's the thing. I mean, perfect example. I never thought in my wildest dreams, and I know we're going to get into this subject matter next week, but the seven mask. I never thought that I would produce an original seven ever again, but I resurrected the project. And it it happens. Uh, the Raining Red is another example. I mean, how many times did I try to I don't want to say kill that thing off, but just shelve it for something else. And I always resurrected it somehow. Um, so it, it is definitely possible with anything that I have in house um, outside of the things that I'm not allowed to, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been, it's definitely considered. I mean, anything that I have. 
Absolutely. I always like to draw the comparison uh, between the artwork that you do and uh, music making because I've been a I've been a guitar player consistently since I was like fourteen, fifteen years old, and you know, drawing a uh, comparison between the two, you know, it's artistry. Both forms are an artistry. You know, they're a form of of artistry, right. and you've got to. Uh, for lack of a better term, you got to get the uh, the wild hair up your ass. You know, it's it's got to hit you. Okay, you got to walk out in the garage and you got to unpack that particular box that houses this particular sculpt, and you've got to look at it and you've got to say, hey, you know what? I bet if I did this, 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 or that to it, you know, that would really, you know, that would improve it. That would, you know, yeah, let's let's work on that. Well, just and, like with a particular riff that you might have come up with with jamming with the guys a year or two or several years back, you know, uh, you got it recorded on a tape somewhere, or if you're like me, you got it ingrained in the back of your head and you never forget your own original riffs, and then one day you're just playing around on the guitar and, or one day you happen to just that riff pops into your head and all of a sudden, you know, you've got something to go along with it that you had never thought of before. You got to come back to it naturally. And what you're what you just said is one of the reasons I don't go looking at some of my old masters very often. They stay boxed up, put away or in my storage facility because if I even open a box up and look at something and I start asking those questions within a week, it's going to be in clay. <laughs> so I've got to pump the brake sometimes because sometimes I can get away from myself because I start saying, well, if I just did this and I just did this, man, it really wouldn't you be will that lock much. in on it. I, I will. And I won't let it go because of my OCD. It happens. Right. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I, it's just for me, it's gotta, it's gotta come to me naturally. You know, when I, when all of a sudden the, you know, I got the fire burning up under my ass, or it just pops into my head one day something else that I can do with it. You know, it's gotta come naturally. And you know what? When it does come naturally, that always produces the best results, as opposed to sitting down trying to force yourself to work something out. Right. I mean, like right now. Um with everything I have on my plate and everything I'm working on and et cetera. I mean, don't think I haven't gotten the, the itch or the questions to produce a ghost 81. And that's something I've been wanting to do since you helped me, uh, urethane master that thing two years ago. Um, cause I, I, I remember telling you, it's like, I would love to just go ahead and do an 81 right now. And look, that's been on the docket for two years. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but, you know, it's just funny what ends up taking priority over other things. And it's sometimes it's accidental. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes all of a sudden you just stumble into it. You had no plans on it. It was nowhere on your on your immediate schedule or anywhere on the horizon. But all of a sudden one day you just stumble into it just because the stars align, the circumstances align for it to, you know, to uh, fall in your lap and, you know, and be worked on. 100%. Yeah. And like I said, that goes back to, it's got to come about naturally. And that's, that's what always produces in my humble opinion, the best results. Could not dis or could not agree with you more. Well, brother, I'm looking over the list right now and 
I do believe with all of your storytelling and answers and explanations and everything, I do believe that we've got basically everybody's questions covered that submitted one uh, for really? you to answer. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Unless uh, there is questions posted in another thread somewhere. I mean, Let me look. I could have uh, sworn that there was more, but... We, you know, Jake Frost asked, why did you get rid of such a good mold? I mean, we've definitely covered that. Dylan That's Cloud chimed in and asked, what does JTK stand for? Which we covered that right off the bat. And he asked, why is it no longer made? We've definitely gone over that. Uh, Daniel Parker with the question about, was it designed to have that slight castle stretch? Definitely covered that with the teardrop explanation. All right, man. Uh We'll go ahead and put a bow on this one, and uh, we thank everybody for joining in. We thank all of our sponsors. They're too long to announce or to, to talk about, but uh, definitely appreciate um, everybody tuning in each and every single week. And uh, as always, I appreciate you joining me. It was different without you last week, and if you get a chance, you ought to definitely go listen to that episode. Um, you know, I've got a lot of positive feedback on it that even though I was solo, I was able to make it work. So I do appreciate the comments and feedback from those that tuned in. Thank you. And, um, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to try to get the seven rolling next. So why don't you go ahead and throw up that, that announcement and, uh, start taking some questions if you can, so we can be ready for that one. No, I absolutely will. And it's absolutely on my, uh, to-do list to uh get to uh listening to that uh the uh the mofugger episode um i plan on doing so with a drink in my hand when i'm able to sit back and chill and take a deep breath and just have everything that i've been uh uh having to commit myself to now for the past two weeks be behind me and just be able to take a deep breath relax and and take in some some me time, which I have not had very much of, if at all, the past two weeks. That's definitely on my list to do. And uh, thank you to everybody who uh, submitted a question. We appreciated your interest and appreciate your questions. I hope we answer them for you. Uh, thank you for listening. Brother, thank you for having me as always. It's fun. Guys, use the appropriate toolage involved. Try not to keep it too close to the cut in terms of your man bushes. Do your ladies a favor. <laughs> well, nobody appreciates choking on shit, so yeah, just keep that in mind. You know, I'm sure you don't appreciate having to like, you know, kiss somebody and pick a hair out your teeth. So yeah, yeah. Well, you don't you don't want to have to ask your dentist for a haircut. That's that's for sure. Exactly. Although flavor savers are great. If it's the right flavor, for sure. All right. Absolutely. Well, from Aaron Bass, I am Chris Morgan, and we are out of time. Thanks for listening to Halloween Unleashed. Be sure to download, rate, and subscribe anywhere you download your podcasts. From Apple, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And then join our social media channels at our official Facebook page at facebook.com slash groups slash Halloween Unleashed. On Instagram at Halloween Unleashed. And on Twitter at HWeen Unleashed. Be sure to share our episodes in your horror groups on your timeline and on Instagram. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Halloween Unleashed.